listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. To participate in the show, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W dot com. Click on the contact link and submit your question or comment there. I'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text 757-774-8482. Leave your voicemail there and I'll use that as part of the show. And now, the Fret Files Podcast. Indeed, welcome to the show. It's the Fret Files Podcast, your fortnightly foray into guitar geekery. My name is Eric Daw. I'm a I'm a guitar mechanic. Let's say that. I'm a guitar scientist. I don't know, that sounds pretentious. Alright, I'm a luthier with twenty-five years of experience building and repairing guitars. Sitting beside me is my lovely co-host Melissa. Greetings. I will read the listener submitted questions and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. I will try. Yes. You know, I'm uh, working on so many things in the shop. I'm just, I got it. Okay, I'll, I'll say it. I'm overwhelmed. Oh. I have a lot to do. Mm-hmm. So if you have repairs in with me, or if you've been waiting on my announcement for custom guitars that are ready for sale, um, it's coming. Just be patient with me, okay? I'm a man with a lot going on. We have a lot on our plates. We do. Melissa's in the same boat. What's new with you? What are you working on in in your leather shop? I got a mountain of work I'm drowning in. Uh, I'm working on a bag and a strap and a few drawings. That's what I'm working on. It's good to be busy, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. It's a blessing, I guess. It's uh, whatever. But I, I think I'm eight weeks behind. Holy crap! Yeah, I'm way yeah, behind. I'm, I kind of yeah, I'm about there. I'm about, I'm about two months. Sorry, behind. everybody. Yeah, that's all right. What are you working on, Eric? Well, lately I've been working on this Martin, uh, this vintage Martin. It's a 1950, early 50s. It's like a 53 Martin Triple Lot 28 mm-hmm. that needs uh, what I call the works. So. It needs, you know, the bridge was split in half, so it needs a new bridge. It has multiple cracks. It needs a neck reset. Uh, did I mention multiple cracks? It needs a partial or maybe full refret. I haven't got that far yet. Neck reset. You know, the whole thing. It's got so many cracks, too. And there... It has some holes that you had to patch yeah, up, had, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guitar has been eating up a lot of my time. You know, I was thinking about how... <laughs> How time-consuming some of these restorations can be, and I, you know, you can never, I mean, you could never, I could never charge for how many hours I've actually spent on that guitar. Right. It's kind of crazy. I might start taking less crazy restorations like that. I wouldn't blame you. Fewer. I guess the word would be fewer. Yeah. That'd be the proper verbiage. We speak good English here. We were both educated in Idaho, so... We have our moments. Yeah. What are you working on? Did I already ask you, you that? You already asked me that. Ah, jeez. We have a new segment on the show. No Did you way. Know that? Tell yes. me about it. What is you it? You don't even know about it. It's just something I dreamed up. 
And I, I, you know what I did is I, I called the show. I called the podcast uh-huh. and left a voiceover for, <laughs> so it would sound like it wasn't me, <clears throat> right? And then, <laughs> and then I put uh, some trumpet fanfare behind it. Anyway, the guitar history corner. It's the guitar history corner, everybody. <laughs> And what we're going to do is, uh, I don't know, but maybe not every episode, but we're going to read some guitar history because I find it interesting. And when I find these little tidbits of information, I want to share them with somebody and nobody cares. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I do a podcast about guitars. People care. Well, at least I can, yeah. I can pretend they do. What you got? Guitar History on? Corner segment number one uh-huh. is about stereo guitars. Okay. Did you know that there were stereo guitars? Like versus mono guitars? Yes. Well, most guitars are mono, meaning they have one output. Okay. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. So it it takes up one channel. They made stereo guitars that actually have either two jacks, so you can run two cables out, or they have one jack that is a stereo jack, and you use a special cable. That has two? Yeah, it's called a tip ring sleeve or a TRS. So most, if you look at most jacks, right? Uh Uh-huh. And uh, by by jack, I mean plug. The plug on the end of the the cable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most plugs have a ground part and then a tip, and they're separated by a little plastic ring. Yep. Uh, On a stereo one, they have uh, the tip... And the sleeve, and then they have a ring. So there's three connections, a ground, and then a left and a right. So a lot of stereo guitars had a stereo jack, and you had to use a stereo cable. And then you'd go into either a splitter box or some kind of weird stereo amp. Interesting. Yeah, Gretsch was the first to introduce this, and I think it was, um, yeah, it was, it was, Gretsch was first. And uh, it was in the late 50s. I mean, stereo, if you think about the history of, even the history of stereo itself, it, it, it became a thing in the 50s. Right, yeah. Like, if, like uh, I mean, I know this because I collect records, like uh, certain eras, like if you collect, say, Beatles records, early Beatles records are harder to find on stereo. They're easy to find on mono. Right. Later, Beatles records are almost impossible to find on mono. By that time, they'd all transition to stereo. And that's interesting because the Beatles were only around for like an eight-year period. Yeah. So it must have been a pretty quick transition. Yeah. Well, from the late 50s to the late 60s, everything yeah. transitioned from mono to stereo. Yeah. And the guitar companies thought, hey, this is a bandwagon we can jump on. Stereo is the thing of the future. Yeah. So how, like, would one pickup go? Yeah, you could send you could send one pickup to one amp and, and or a different pickup to a different amp. Or in the case of one of the early Gretsch uh, uh, stereo pickups... They would have these Filtertron pickups where one pickup had bass string pull pieces and the other pickup had treble string pull pieces. What? So you could send the bass strings to one amp and the treble strings to the other amp. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. I mean, it's it was never popular, but Gretsch, Gibson, Rickenbacker, you know, I don't think Fender ever did, but... Most of the guitar manufacturers at one time at least offered one stereo guitar. Uh, like I said, Gretsch was the first in 58, uh, the Country Club Stereo and the White Falcon Stereo. They worked by splitting the output of the strings and feeding them 
to two separate amplifiers. It's so strange. And then uh, in, uh, I think it was 59 or so, um, uh, Gibson uh, jumped on the bandwagon with their um, stereo ES345 and uh, uh, other offerings, you know, but... Yeah, it was a thing there for a while. Stereo guitars never really caught on. And you see those now, like the Gibson stereo guitars, uh, are oftentimes converted to mono so that you can just use it like a regular guitar. Yeah. Because that's what people like. Anyhow, that was well, the guitar history corner. Yeah, can you even find a stereo cable anymore? I feel like that would oh, yeah. be... Oh. oh, yeah, that's not a that's not hard to do. But a lot of times what you have to do is uh, use a splitter box. So you've got a stereo cable going from your guitar to the box, and then that splits into two mono signals. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. When Rickenbacker did it, they had some, it was something called a Rico sound. They had a Rico sound box, and you went from the guitar to the Rico sound box and then into two amps or into two channels on the board or into two, I mean, who, you know, nobody puts guitar straight into the board, but. Yeah. Well, sometimes they do. I don't know. I I hear that that's how they got that crazy guitar sound on a long, cool woman in a black dress. Really? They took the guitar and they fed it straight into the board. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I'm not even sure really what that means, but good. I'm glad. All right. That's cool. Well, that's the Guitar History Corner. What would you think? Really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Hey, Eric and Melissa, love your podcast. Found it through the Truth About Vintage Amps podcast, and I am now hooked. Keep up the great work. Thanks, we will. A few questions for you about saddle notches and tunematic bridge. Uh, My Les Paul Jr. special, bought used, came with a replacement tunematic bridge. Each saddle has been notched slightly off-center to the right. When the strings are in the notches, they are evenly spaced but are misaligned with the fretboard, i.e. more gap between the fretboard edge and the sixth string compared to the gap for the first string. I flipped around the sixth string saddle to get better intonation, but of course this resulted in an uneven... in an uneven larger spacing between the sixth and fifth strings. In the end, I've decided to sit all the strings outside of the notches in the center of the saddle. So now the strings are nicely aligned to the fretboard and still spaced evenly. I don't play heavily and so far so good, but is it really necessary to have notched saddles? Wouldn't this be a similar argument for three saddle tellies? Also, in your experience, are there any downsides to pre-notched saddles? And lastly... How do you go about notching saddles for your customers' guitars? Thanks for all you do. Cheers. That's from Patrick in Melbourne, Australia. Howdy, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so notched saddles, um, really, <clears throat> if you're going to compare tele saddles with tunematic saddles, it's really two very different things. Uh, tele saddles don't necessarily need notches because the downward pressure on the string is so great because... The string just takes a real sharp turn there and it goes right through the bridge. On a tunematic, it's a much more gentle break angle from the bridge to the tailpiece. So, uh, you really need notches in a tunematic. You really do. And, uh, it's super nice when the, um, grooves are in the middle of the saddle. That's really what you want. And hopefully that aligns with the fingerboard. So, 
Uh, if I were you, I'd get new saddles for that or get a new tunematic for it um, and notch them in the center so that everything's groovy and aligned. Get it? Groovy. Get it? Ooh, yeah. Groove, oh, a groove in the saddle. Yeah. Uh, and then that way everything will be happy. The problem with the way you're doing it, so you've, you, you pulled the string out of the notch and just, you know, now it's sitting kind of next to the notch, but in the middle of the saddle, you're going to do some Pete Townsend, uh, windmills and crang and really strum that guitar hard. And what's going to happen is one, at least one of the strings at some point is going to slide enough to go into the notch and then it's going to be slightly out of tune and make a weird noise when it happens. Yeah, Pete Townsend. Well, I mean, you know, so <clears throat> uh, it would be a good idea to get new saddles for that and re-notch them. Did he have other... I feel like he asked seven questions. Were there other questions? Are there any downsides to, pre, downsides to pre-notched saddles? Uh, yes. Usually when you buy pre-notched saddles, the notches are not the right depth and width for each string. They're all uniform. Um, I I like to get unnotched saddles. That's my preference. And the way I notch them is with the same files that I use to cut nut slots. Mm. But then uh, then when you're done notching the saddle, I'll run a little bit of... Uh, sandpaper in the groove to make sure there's no burrs and i will take a string and put polishing compound on Uh it and run the string through the notch and polish the notch oh interesting yeah so that it's so that there's no burrs on it so that it's not sharp Mm -hmm. do you need to lubricate those notches like you do in a nut uh no i usually don't um the the strings tend to move more up at the nut for for whatever reason so you can you absolutely can it's not a bad idea to put graphite in those in those slots thanks patrick eric and melissa thanks so much for your podcasts i've been binging on them as i drive across the state to buy alfalfa and they make my drive much more enjoyable i recently heard the controversial podcast where melissa was asked for leather picks how would they be different from the felt picks used by some bass players? Would they last longer or have a more finger-like tone? Did you ever try making one to try it out? How did it go? Thanks. That's from Ron. Was that that controversial? I don't re- I recall. Don't, I remember going off about it. But, really? Uh, yeah. We're so controversial. I know this we are. Such an edgy podcast. Spicy podcast. You did end up making leather picks. Oh, yeah. And f- as a matter of fact, Ron, I send a... F- free leather pick out with every order I sent out. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so I uh, found the problem I had with, I had several problems. One of them was that cutting a leather pick would be so time consuming that it wouldn't be worth it. But I found a company that offers a pre-cut shape, but I'm, I'm having some leather dyes made, um, you know, like they're basically cookie cutters. Oh, so you can cut your own. On so your, I'll be on cutting my own very soon. But yeah. um, so I have them. Um, I get them pre-cut and then I stamp my logo on them. They're cute. Yeah. And uh, as for how they feel, I, I don't play guitar. I don't know, Eric. How do they feel? They're pretty fat. I think they would be great for bass or for ukulele or um, uh, even I don't know, just something with a wide string spacing. Because they're so big that they get kind of cut up in between the strings for me personally. Uh, but I, you know, 
picks are such a personal preference yeah. that some people are going to like them and some people aren't. And, and I feel like they're probably going to have a shorter lifespan than a regular pick. I don't know. Um, no, I don't know. It just seems like plastic is going to hold up to playing better than a, a leather one will. They're definitely interesting, and it's always fun to try something new. So, Yeah, and when I get um, my own die and I'm making my own, I will probably offer them for sale. You oh, know, like a little four-pack or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. That'd be cool. Maybe two different thicknesses of leather even. Yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. Yep. So uh, that's what's going on with that, Ron. Thanks Thank for the question. You. Thank you, Ron. Hi, Eric and Melissa. I was listening to episode 124 and couldn't help but send in a response to Joe's question about the best neck specs to choose, considering he has a left index finger that doesn't bend all the way due to injury. Well, my name is also Joe, and I also have this issue. Who would have thought? Goodness. That is insane. That (laughs) is quite the coincidence. And you both listen to this crazy podcast. That's insane. How about that? Uh, an old high school basketball injury, unfortunately. So from one Joe with a bad index finger to another, I have found that medium to thick oval or soft V-shaped necks with a one and five eighths inch with, sorry, with one and five eighths inch width nuts are the most comfortable. The less shoulder, the better, as this allows for more freedom for the fused index finger to curve and hit the high E, B, and G strings. So as far as radius is concerned, anywhere from 7.5 to 12 inches is fine. However, a lower radius will always be more comfortable for cording. I would definitely shy away from anything thin or C or D shaped. Hope this helps. That's from Joe in Sydney, Australia. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. He said seven and a half. I think he he oh probably seven, seven and a quarter. quarter. Yeah, but yeah, any any radius from seven and a quarter to twelve is fine. That's interesting. Well, thanks for writing in, Joe. I mean, you just yeah, what never, a coincidence. You never know what kind of insight any somebody's going to have out there. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that just blew my mind. Uh, you know what really will blow your mind? What Apex Coffee? <laughs> this coffee is so great, and I've been racking my brain trying to write commercials for this, and then I was making coffee the other day, and I was reading the bag, and I thought, I I don't need to write a commercial. It's right there on the bag. It's right here on the bag. The distinct qualities of specialty coffee lie at the apex of acidity, body, and sweetness. Mm. We, meaning apex, not Melissa and I, we roast to showcase the farmer's craft and reveal coffee's unique natural flavor. You can you can almost smell these beans, I'm telling you. It's good coffee. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from apexcoffeeroasters.com. It really is the best coffee Ooh, that we've tried, and we're so proud of that they sponsor the show. Yeah, I just caught a whiff. It's, it's delicious. I know, I, it's I so think good. I could just eat that those coffee beans. We've, we've tried a new blend here lately. This is... Uh, La, La Boyano. La Boyano. Yes, from uh, Colombia. It's delicious. Absolutely wonderful coffee. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. We will be right back with more after this. We've talked a lot about neck straightening irons on the show, and people write to me and they say, Eric, where can I get one? Well, until now, I didn't have anywhere to send people because nobody makes them anymore, except for my buddy Rick. 
at playersgearmusic.com. You can go to Players Gear Music. You can order a neck straightening iron. Some people call it a neck press or a neck heater. It is an invaluable tool in my shop. I use it all the time. I'd be lost without one of these. I, I love having a neck straightening iron, and Rick is making a really, really stout industrial. It, I, I think it... I think it's the best one that I've used, and I've I've used a lot. I've made my own. I've used uh, the commercially available ones that they used to sell in the 70s and 80s, but they don't sell them anymore. Well, now you can get one from playersgearmusic.com. They're $7.49. I know that seems like a lot. It's, it's a tool. I tell you what, it's going to pay for itself a hundred times over. If you go to his website and make an offer for six ninety nine, and mention the Fret Files podcast, six ninety nine, free shipping, and it's yours. A neck straightening iron, a neck press, a neck heater, whatever you want to call it. Playersgearmusic.com has them, and you need one. I'm telling you, it's an invaluable tool, indispensable. I'd be lost without mine. So go to playersgearmusic.com and check it out. And don't forget to tell Rick that the Fret Files podcast sent you. Eric and Melissa, outside of Reverb, which would you choose to buy an used guitar online, eBay or Shop Goodwill? Which one and why or why not? Outside of Reverb. Uh, because inside of Reverb is too echoey. You are just the king of jokes. <laughs> that is so funny. Are there other online locations you would recommend for a mid to low priced used guitar? Which sites would you recommend for high end used guitars? Thanks. I love the podcast and I really respect your advice and opinions. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, that joke uh, was was a, a reference to an old Groucho Marx joke. Oh Do you my know? God. Do you you know? are so funny. Do you- I have never heard a more topical and uh, relevant reference. Poor Melissa has to live with me, <laughs> you guys. You have to consider that what you hear on the podcast... Oh, it's she, a fraction. She has to deal with it all the time. It's a fraction but of what as, actually happens. As I was saying, the more important thing here is my what I'm saying. Groucho which is, Marx. <laughs> that you Groucho Marx God. reference of... <laughs> I will hit you, <laughs> sir. Outside of a dog, a book is a man's best friend. Uh-huh. Inside of a dog, it's, it's too, too dark, dark to read. read. Huh. That's right. Thanks. I'm sorry. It's a really good one. I know. Well, it's way more interesting than this question. No. <laughs> Eric is an excellent person to ask this question because he has bought all the guitars from all the websites. He's bought from Reverb, from eBay, from Shop Goodwill. He knows them all. So, Eric... Here's the floor. Take it. I've made my wife mad, which which <laughs> is never a good idea. Please, dear listener at home, don't be like me. Don't make your wife angry. All right. Uh, which sites would I recommend for high-end used guitars? I don't know. Uh, when I'm looking for a guitar, it's like really specific. I, I don't just buy random stuff, so I kind of have to go where the guitar is. One of the best things to do is go to the website of a reputable guitar dealer. And there are probably hundreds, you know, 
to choose from, but, uh, you know, a reputable guitar dealer will also have their stuff listed on Reverb. So here's a little hack for you. You find a guitar on Reverb that you like, but you don't want to go through Reverb? Do a Google search for that uh, guitar shop, and oftentimes you'll find that they have their own website, and there's that same guitar listed on their store website, and you can just go through that uh, store website or call the dealer directly, and uh, that way you didn't have to go through Reverb, and you'll probably get a better price because you didn't have the, the seller doesn't have to pay Reverb their premium. Now this is really, you know. That's insider info, it's, folks. This, this is really, you know, subversive information oh, here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're probably going to Don't get, let Reverb get a hold of this. We're probably going to have, like, men in black knocking on our door here. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know? So yeah. outside of Reverb... Yeah. eBay or Shop Goodwill? Well, inside of Reverb... God damn it, but you answer this question. <laughs> Uh, at least I make you laugh. <laughs> that really helps. If you uh, were closer to me right now. Well, there's a reason why I, this, <laughs> your chair is just an arm, just out of arm's reach. Uh, I like Shop Goodwill because it's like a it's a total crapshoot. But you are guaranteed you're guaranteed you are buying a guitar from someone who has no idea which end is even up on it, and they you know they'll usually. Like, their description of the guitar will read something like this. Has lots of dust on the big part. Missing two strings. Yeah. You know, I, I, like, they have no idea what a guitar even is, right? Right. So, it's a real crapshoot. Um, you're buying something that o will almost almost surely need repair of one form or another, and the other thing about it is, because I've I've bought a lot of guitars off of Shop Goodwill, as have many friends and clients and customers. Uh, they basically just throw it in a box and and then throw maybe like roll up a couple pieces of newspaper and throw it at the box, and if it lands in, then that's okay. And then tape <laughs> up the box and then just throw it out in their yard there, and then hope that that some carrier comes picks it up. They're the worst at shipping. The absolute worst. So don't buy an expensive guitar on Shop Goodwill. But if you're looking for like a bargain or a cheap guitar or a cool old funky something that might need a neck reset and you're not going to be too worried if it gets completely crushed in shipping because that has happened many times. I'm really doing a good job selling the Shop Goodwill here, aren't I? Um, it's Oh, yeah. It's exciting. It's fun. But don't expect a high-end, good-quality experience. What else did he say? eBay. eBay. eBay's eBay. You, you guys know the deal with eBay. It's been there for 20 years. I, I don't know. What can I say <clears throat> about eBay? It's hit and uh, miss. It is hit and miss, and it seems to be where problem guitars go to languish. So, uh, you know, be careful of that. But, yeah. Thanks for the uh, thanks for sending in the question. Yeah, and thanks to Eric for taking twenty five minutes to answer it. Yeah, you're welcome. It's hey, somebody's got to fill time. Hello, Eric and Melissa. I am planning to install reverse audio taper pots into a left handed bass. 
Should the pots be wired as mere images of regular pots? In other words, if the wiring diagram indicates that the right side prong of a pot be grounded to the bottom of the pot, should I then ground the left side prong on a reverse audio taper pot? Thanks for your reply. That's from Sumeth in Bangkok. Wow. Sumeth. We're really global now. The answer to your question is yes. Thanks for writing in. Really? That's it. That's <laughs> well, all you're, you're going to say about it? You're mad I was taking too long. Yeah, you absolutely, you, you wire it completely backwards from a normal pot. There's three types of pots. Mm-hmm. Audio taper, linear taper, or, uh, well, audio is also called logarithmic. Linear taper, and then reverse audio taper. And that's what you want for a left-handed pot. And you absolutely, you wire it exactly backwards from, like mirror image from the wiring diagram of a... Uh, of, of a right-handed guitar. Fascinating. Yeah. For some reason, that blows my mind. Good. Cool. Uh, thanks, Sumeth. Hi, Eric. I just found your podcast, and I have enjoyed it immensely. I'm not a luthier, but I play one in my basement. Uh, very good. <laughs> I have a squire stage master that hums, but as soon as I touch the bridge or strings, it goes away. I love how this guitar plays and sounds, but the erratic hum turning on and off while playing is unbearable. Any ideas about what causes this? On a related note, I've, I'm hesitant to tear into this and just look for a problem because of the Floyd Rose. Wow. I hope I never have to remove all the strings at once, ever again. You and me both. That said, despite all the hate they receive, in my opinion, there is no better trem. I love it and don't have any of the issues that I hear regurgitated on the web. Uh-oh. I'll, I'd love to hear any tips you have for a Floyd Rose setup in the event I ever need to do surgery. Thanks. That's from Matt in Des Moines. Thanks, Matt. Matt, you have a grounding problem. No. I, well, that's a good guess. Um, so what Matt says is uh, the hum goes away as soon as he touch, touches the strings. Mm-hmm. And that's normal. Oh, really? Yeah, almost every guitar does that. Oh. Uh, and some guitars do it worse than others, depending on how bad the hum is or... or uh, how well it's shielded or how close you are to your amp or or how close you are to a neon light or, you know, but touch the strings, the hum goes away. <clears throat> That's standard, and there's really nothing you can do about it, honestly. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Matt. Uh, he His other question was about Floyd Rose. Do you any, have any tips any for... Any tips a... and tricks for Floyd Rose setup? They're, they're, they are complicated. Uh... My biggest my biggest tip is this. Do not use rounded-off Allen wrenches on those little bolts. Make sure you've got a nice, crisp Allen wrench to use in there because once you start stripping those bolts out with a rounded-off Allen wrench or by torquing them too hard with a good Allen wrench, you start stripping those bolts and everything, Then that's when you really come into trouble. And, man, so many Floyd Roses that get on my bench, you know, the players over the years by constantly turning those and uh, and not replacing their Allen wrench when it's when it gets fatigued, they they strip those bolts out and ugh, what a pain in the butt to find parts on, on you know because there's there's not one kind of Floyd Rose there's like thirteen and a lot of them are out of production and they don't always the parts don't always cross reference and it's a Jeez. real pain in, yeah so watch those stripped screw heads. Thanks, Matt. 
Hi there. Thanks for such a great podcast. I have a quick question about static buildup in a guitar. I've been playing for over 25 years and have not come across it before, but I've recently bought a 1954 Les Paul reissue from Gibson's Custom Shop, which seems to suffer from it. I get a buildup over time, which can be audibly heard when you touch the back plate as a crackle. I've been told tumble dryer cloths can help, which they certainly do, uh, but it is quickly back. It is... Is it caused by grounding issues? Do I need to shield all of the cavities with copper tape? Is it a new finish thing? Any knowledge welcomed. Keep up the good work. That's from Simon in the UK. Thanks, Simon. This is something that pops up on the podcast uh, from time to time, and I've had uh, people write in with their recommendations, none of which I remember offhand. But <laughs> Of course not. Yeah, no. Uh things that have been suggested over the years and this is a this is a common problem and it is it's a it's a static charge in a new finish and it's also a combination of that with um low humidity you, you really get this problem when the humidity is low okay so one thing you can do is and he, i think he said that this is just happening on his back plate not on the pit guard right um, let's see yes scan 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 yep. scan when you touch the back, the back plate, plate is a crackle uh, you can take the back plate off and very lightly sand the back, and that I've it has been reported to me that that will help kind of break that. Um, Just to take the finish off the, the the polish off the finish or what? Not the guitar, the back plate. Oh, oh, oh! I so see. So you take okay. the back plate off, and it's just a piece of plastic, right? right. The part that is facing the guitar. Uh huh. Um, sand it. Okay. Yeah. Just to rough it up. Yeah, you could also just, you could put a dryer sheet in there and, you know, and have uh, have it coming up and over the sides if you wanted. I mean, that's a crazy suggestion, yeah. isn't it? But you could. But yeah, it's, it's a static electricity discharge and it happens when humidity is too low. So that, that might tell you something there. Guitars don't like low humidity anyway. Yeah. So you might want to humidify the... Uh, the room where you're keeping your guitars. Um, what else have people has have people suggested? You can shield it. I I really I really don't think it's going to help. Gibsons are typically shielded pretty well anyway. Um, most of the time, I don't know, not all of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I I I wouldn't worry about shielding it. Try sanding the back of that back plate. Cool. Thanks, Simon. Total newbie here. Going to make this short. I started binge listening and I'm up to 2015. So many questions and comments that it would make a good sized magazine. Love it. Keep going. And I'll eventually meet you guys in 2021. That's from mm-hmm. Kevin in Beaufort, uh, North Carolina. Beaufort. Beaufort. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon in 2021 here. His suggestion is that this would make a good sized magazine. I guess so. I am not even... It's not even on my radar. Friends, if you have start a magazine. all the time in the world yeah. and want to get paid nothing for it, listen to our catalog and make a magazine. You know, it's unfortunate, too, that that's, it, it's like newspapers. Magazines are, are a dying medium, which I, I hate to see. I don't... Not as bad as newspapers, but... Yeah, I think that there will always be a market for magazines. I think so, too, but it's not... It will never be what it once was. I mean, Maybe. Be- before iPhones and tablets and all that? Yeah. 
I think what we need is a very well compiled, um, like a some sort of directory where if you have a question about neck resets, you can see episode one thirty two and twelve and. People have written in and and suggested that. Right. I am not. Right. And what I'm saying doing that. is Eric and I do not have the time for that. No. If you are a retired person and you are <laughs> bored out of your mind and you wish to not no, get paid for it. No, don't do it. <laughs> See, here's my worry. And I, this is my constant worry with this podcast is that people are going to take every little thing I say as some kind of gold standard for, oh, this, you know, Eric said on that podcast about guitar repair that this is how you do it. Look, this is a conversational podcast that's meant to just kind of generally bring your guitar technology and science knowledge level up, right? I really hate for people to use it as a, like a, like really like a reference, like, oh, this is how you reset a neck because I heard Eric talk about it on the podcast. No. No. Do lots of research before you do something crazy like a neck reset. This podcast can help, and I'm always going to try to steer you guys in the right direction, but it's it doesn't need to be directoryized and referenced like it's some kind of reference. It's not. It's entertainment. It's educational entertainment. It's edutainment. So be careful. that uh, We don't want to go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why? Why are you saying wow? I don't know. My eyes just got real tired. Yeah, well, that's it for the show. We thank you for listening. We thank you for participating. There were no calls this episode. If you want to call the show, you, you really should. Get good and liquored up and call 757-774-8482. We're only accepting calls from touch-tone phones. No rotary phones allowed, please. 757-774-8482. You can call or text that number. The other way to do it is go to my website, which is ericdaw.com, E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link. You can submit your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Good night.